0: Hello and welcome to this talk from Hershen Baptist Church. My name is Phil, I'm the pastor of the church here. It's great to have you with us. Well we've moved into the season of Advent, that's why we're gearing up for all of these activities, when we get ourselves ready for Christmas. And it's such a blessing, isn't it, that even though Christmas might look different this year, in a way that's disconcerting and can be distressing, yet There's nothing anyone could do to cancel Christmas. And our theme for Advent this year is hope. Every week we're going to be looking at a different aspect of the hope that Christmas promises us, that God promises us in Christmas. And this week our theme is the hope of light. The hope of light. So here's our lunchtime summary. Christmas offers us the hope of light in the midst of darkness. Christmas offers us the hope of light in the midst of darkness. Let's think a bit more about that shall we? I I love to hike. I love going out walking in the hills and the woods. We're so blessed to live in an area where there are plenty of places to walk lockdown permitting. I find it enormously helpful both for my mental health and for my spiritual health to go walking in the hills and, the, and the, the woods around us. And I'm usually pretty good at finding my way. But a few weeks back I made a major mistake. I set out at just before tea time uh, for a, a few miles walk in a set of woods and hills near us which I was totally unfamiliar with. So far so normal. What I hadn't realised is how quickly the light had begun to go. I found myself in the midst of a field, heading into an enormous set of woods, far away from my car, in almost total darkness, very suddenly. I began to panic. I didn't know the way back. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know the paths I should take to get there. I fumbled in my backpack for my iPhone. Other phones are available. And flicked on the little torchlight that you get on the iPhone and and gradually managed to find my way back to a well-worn car, a path and then eventually a road that led me back to the car. I had to abandon the walk in order to stay safe. What I found is that walking in darkness can be a real problem. It's hard to find the direction we should be heading in. We lose our bearings very quickly. And it's hard to know how we should get to where we want to go. We can't see the paths we should take. And in those situations, what i found is that what we need more than anything else is light. In one of the most famous readings from Advent carol services everywhere, Isaiah, a man who lived hundreds of years before Jesus, but wrote about what would happen when Jesus was born, talked about exactly this problem. And we're going to read what he said now. So I'm going to read now from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at a harvest, as warriors rejoice when they're dividing their plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood, will be destined for burning, will be fuel, for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now Isaiah uses walking in darkness as a picture, as a metaphor for a people that doesn't know what the point of their lives is, what they should aim for, what they should value, what good life means. And he uses a picture and a metaphor for, for people who don't know what they should do to get there, how they should live. As I was talking about his own people, Israel, thousands of years ago, but His language resonates, I think, deeply with our society. It certainly resonates with me. I think it's true on a big scale. This picture of walking in darkness is true on a big scale. The pandemic has exposed many things about our hearts and our lives. One of them, I think, is that while we know an awful lot about the world, we don't have a very clear picture of what the meaning of life is. what the purpose of life is. We're very good at working out what we need to do to survive, but we don't have a very good answer about why we're trying to survive. What's our goal? What are the choices that we should make to get there? It's like a society that's walking in darkness. I have so much sympathy for governments all around the world They receive data and information from brilliant, wonderfully scientifically-minded advisors. And yet, in order to know what to do, we need more than information. We need wisdom. We need to know where we want to get to, what we value, and why. We need light. Isaiah's description is also true on a a much smaller scale. How many of us feel swamped by the decisions we have to make, the choices we're presented with, and the voices that surround us, urging us to, to move one way or the other? We're told to find our own way in life, to find life's meaning for ourselves, to create it from within us, to make good choices without any clear idea what a good choice even means. It can feel like being in the middle of an ocean, knowing we should swim for shore, without any help knowing which way shore is, or how to get there. You know, it's little wonder that we live in an age that is rich beyond the wildest imaginations of our ancestors, and yet experiences more anxiety, depression, suicide, mental illness and stress than ever before. That's what happens when we walk in darkness. We can have all the gear, but no idea. It's also what the coming of Jesus, what we celebrate at Christmas, is designed to help with. Christmas is about God's provision of the light we need to live and to walk well. Let's look at what Isaiah says again. For to us a child is born, To us, a son is given. That's the Christmas story, isn't it? The birth of the baby Jesus. And he will be called wonderful counsellor. What a strange thing to say about him. Literally, Isaiah predicts, if we take the words with their literal meaning in Hebrew, God will send us someone who's supernaturally wise. Someone who's teaching an example, are from out of this world, from beyond our reality. Someone who lights up the darkness and makes us able to see. If you like, someone who who who's able to write the instruction manual on life because he sees it from the maker's perspective. A wonderful counsellor. This is exactly what we find in Jesus. His teaching brings light in the darkness because it changes how we see the world and how we should live. So was Jesus right in what he said about himself? What evidence is there to support his claims? Well, the first piece of evidence is his teaching. Much of the New Testament records numerous occasions where crowds gather to hear Jesus teach. And on one occasion on a mountain like this, more than 5,000 people gathered to listen to the teaching of Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount has been widely acknowledged amongst the greatest teaching of all time. Jesus' teaching has been the foundation of our entire civilization. Many of our laws were originally founded on Jesus' teaching. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And then this totally revolutionary love your enemies. In fact, we've advanced in every field of science and technology, yet in 2,000 years, no one has ever improved on the moral teachings of Jesus. They are the greatest words ever spoken. They're the kind of words you might expect God to speak. So Jesus' teaching gives light because it is extraordinarily wise. But it's more than that. It's not just wise, it's both beautiful and powerful. I remember a few years back when uh, Heather and I and our children went to Germany to stay with some friends. We we had a great week for many reasons. I, I love Germany. I love German culture. Yeah, you know, what sticks in my mind is not the people or the places we went. It was one night when I lay in the garden of our hosts and watched a meteor shower coming overhead. There were trails of light burning across the sky lit up against the darkness. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Jesus' life and teaching are light in our darkness, not only because they're wise, they're helpful, but because they're beautiful. They inspire us. It doesn't just make sense to our minds. What he says and how he lives makes our hearts sing Jesus' friend, John, described for those who hadn't had a chance to meet Jesus or hear him for themselves, what it was like to see him and to hear him. And the language he reaches for is is the language we might use for a a masterpiece of artwork or for a meteor shower or, or going and watching the northern lights. He says this, he says, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Russian novelist, Fyodor Dostoevsky, one of the greatest writers in history, puts it this way. He said this, all writers who sought to represent absolute beauty, were unequal to the task. There is only one figure of absolute beauty. Christ. That infinitely lovely figure is, as a matter of course, an infinite marvel. Jesus' life and his teaching are wise, but they're also beautiful Yet we can go beyond that. They're wise and they're beautiful, but they're also powerful. Jesus made extraordinary claims for the power of his teaching. He said, the words I've spoken to you, they're full of spirit and life. What an extraordinary thing to say. Yet it's born out of history. Born out in the history of the world. Jesus' teaching and his example have transformed every area of culture and society from tax and welfare to human rights and dignity. It's also true for individuals. When we follow Jesus' teaching and his example, it changes us and the world around us.
1: I grew up as an only child. Um, I was the good church kid. At 18, like so many bad cliches, I rebel. Uh, became uh, a nightclub promoter. And over the next 10 years, from uh, about 18 to 28, really climbed up New York's social ladder. At 28, uh, I had gotten many of the things that I thought I wanted. My girlfriend was on the cover of magazines, I had a Beamer, uh, I had a Rolex, I had a Labrador Retriever, I had a grand piano in my apartment in New York, and I was so unhappy. Something awakened in me, something, it was a realization maybe that I I would never find happiness where I was looking for it. There would never be enough girls, there'd never be enough drugs, there'd never be enough parties. I guess it was a fresh look, being able to take a look at Faith again with fresh eyes. And I became so compelled by uh, a Jesus who went around serving the poor, who went around looking after others and, and lived a life of integrity. You know, there's this verse uh, in James that I came across that said, true religion is to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. So I was 0 for 2. Uh, not only had I done nothing for the poor in a decade, I literally polluted people for a living. I made this radical uh, radical life moved. I wound up selling all of my possessions. I joined this humanitarian mission, a group of medical doctors volunteering in West Africa, operating on a huge hospital ship, and I become their photojournalist. I saw a lot of stuff uh, over those two years, and I think the thing that struck me the most was people drinking dirty water. Half of the country didn't even have their most basic need for health met. Half the country didn't have clean water to drink. And when I landed back in New York, I was 30, and this was the issue that I felt so compelled to work on. And Charity Water was definitely birthed out of my faith experience of, of me returning back to Christ to um, to God again, and it, you know I believe that the idea of Charity Water is very close to God's heart. I believe the idea of a world where every single person drinks clean water is is so fluid is so in line with the heart of, of God the heart of the Father uh, and and it's an amazing thing to be able to do with with my work over the last nine years we've raised almost 200 million dollars uh, we've helped over uh, 5.5 million people around the world get access to clean water so we've made a little bit of a dent uh, and and most importantly the number of people without water has come down from a billion to 660 million you know if I look back on it, I think this idea of really trying to serve God through my work um, you know, has changed everything in my life. But I think you, know, you can do that wherever you are, whether you're a banker, whether you're a florist. Um, you can bring you know, the, the kingdom values that you believe in into your work, into the way that you, you serve your customers, into the way that you lead uh, your team members, uh, into the way that you, um, you support others.
0: So Christmas is about the hope that there is light in the midst of our darkness. It's about God speaking to us through Jesus' teaching and his example to show us what we are here for, what our purpose and our calling is, and how we should live well. Yet it's not enough to receive light as a gift. We have to be willing to use it to live with it, to live in its light. A torch will do us no good in darkness unless we're willing to turn it on. Jesus' light only benefits us if we're willing to receive it, to live by it. Otherwise, we're in just as much darkness as before. Jesus put it this way. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against it. Yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation in the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a fool built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. It fell with a crash. If you've never read Jesus' teaching before, why not pick up a gospel? Why not dust down your Bible? Begin to read it. Begin to read the the stories about Jesus, that could be your Advent project, something a bit different this year. Why not take advantage of the time and the space that we have and the unavailability of other things that cloud our lives and do something worthwhile? Read about the man who transformed the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, why not try to be intentional about living in his light. Every weekday through Advent, I'm sending out a a set of Bible readings, meditations and prayers on WhatsApp every day, every weekday, to help us come close to God. If you'd like to receive them completely free of charge, please email me or get in touch through uh, the YouTube channel or our Facebook account. And we'd love to get you in touch with those readings. Finally, as you walk with Jesus this time, why not start to ask him? start to ask yourself how you can share his message of hope and light and life with others. Christmas offers us the hope of a light in the midst of our darkness. Why not stay tuned now for communion?